If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Comic Bureau Field Report. The Comic Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe podcast family. That's spelled B-L-E-A-V. And that's why on your favorite podcast platform, it reads Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report instead of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. And I'm nearing three years of having to caveat that. And people tell me that they wonder why the name is that. And then they listen and then they're like, thank you for the explanation. And maybe in years five, six, seven, whoever knows how long it will be. And I won't have to do that. <laughs> um, or maybe they'll spell, I, maybe it'd be better if they spelled believe correctly. I don't know. Uh, but enough of that, Mishigas, and on to this week's amazing, amazing guest, a staple of the New York comedy scene and uh, the mind and performer behind the amazing solo show Live After Death or Live After Death. We'll figure out which one. Um, please give it up for Ben Wasserman, everybody. Hey, thank you for having me, Jake. Absolutely. Glad to have you, Ben. How how How's it going? Uh, it's snowy over there, right? <laughs> it is snowy. I'm actually in Philly right now, but right. New York is kind of snowy, though it's mm-hmm. not really sticking. So yeah. oh. that's cool. Or at least it wasn't when I left. And Right, right. Wait, I is, is, yeah. Is it just cold in Philly right now? Uh. It's not even that cold, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. a little chillier. Oh, okay. But cool. when I was out in LA and we met, it was freezing. I was yeah. so cold on yeah. that trip. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, uh, oh God, who was I watching? I think it was Brett Gordon. I was just seeing a story of theirs and they were saying it really sucks how California is really going through like a uh, unprecedented winter considering like we're the only people that try for climate change. It It is fascinating. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. you know, yeah. that, that is just what climate catastrophe is. We are it, fucked. Yeah. It is. I was just wondering, like I've heard at least two weeks of talk about, Scandaval, which I hate that I even know what that is. I, what is that? So uh, the the reality juggernaut that is Vanderpump Rules 
okay. has a character slash cast member named Tom Sandoval. Okay. And, and apparently in this upcoming season, as they were editing it, they found out that he had been cheating on his wife or wife such girlfriend for of 10 years for the last seven months. Dang. And so they have to like replan the show. Oh, wow. Upco- upcoming season because he's a lying piece of shit. Wow. Yeah. And so wow. this is like thrown social media a tizzy uh, because, you know, are we really doing that bad? And I thought to myself, like, okay, should I just go back to eating beef if the people give a shit about this? Like, I, I you know, yeah, if, that's they, what we're focused on at this point. Yeah. Yeah. If those people have given up on trying, then like, why? I mean, me not eating a burger is not going to change anything. No, I mean, I very strongly believe that you should eat a burger, a burger, a burger. But uh, yeah, make sure it's the meat's ethically sourced if you can. But also, yeah. it's not on. It's it's on McDonald's to do the part, and you know, yeah. Chevron, not Lilo, me and you. Sure, sure. Although I will say, I I will maintain my sort of <laughs> quiet boycott of mcdonald's i just don't other than their breakfast sandwich i think everything there is bad I like yeah I think bad. It's, that's fair it's fast food most fast food sucks yeah i yeah. if i'm going to go back to eating a burger you trust it will be ethically sourced and i will be paying for that in the ter- tune of yeah. like 15 to 16 dollars for a burger yeah yeah yeah. we only eat 25 dollar burgers over here yeah <laughs> Oh, is that what the going price for a luxury burger in New York is? Uh, I asked them to make it more expensive. So oh, yeah. Could, just so I could feel a little better about, you know, having yeah. to uh, pay it. It makes it, yeah. Tell me it's a $30 cut of beef and then right. um, I'll be like, oh, oh, you don't even want extra fixings like gold or whatever. On no, 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 no. Uh, no, I don't need to eat gold. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Of course not. Uh, well, how kind of you just to ask for it to be more expensive. Way to support local business. Yeah, it's important to keep the economy going, especially with all this inflation going up. Right. And with that in mind, do you feel as though you have uh, indirectly supported uh, mortuaries by doing a solo show at a funeral home? Um. Have I indirect? I feel like I have, if anything, maybe directly supported. Directly, them. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't think anyone's died because of the show yet. Okay. That, that would be sick. Yeah. It it would it would bring like a full circle to the nature of the show. It really would if either I or an audience member died during the show at any point. Mm-hmm. while i'm doing this show over right. the next year i think right. that would i mean it would suck yes any reason but that would be so cool and yeah like, yeah i don't know I'd you be would okay definitely get your own little placard at the national comedy museum i think so i would need to at that point for sure yeah i think there's only one other comedian that i know that's died on stage it was this british guy tommy tommy something he like yeah. his whole thing was the bad magic act Okay. And, and like, yeah, but that was the thing is like, he was like intentionally fucking up a trick and then he got a heart attack and then nobody realized that he, he was dying. That's so funny. Uh, that <laughs> it, was on, it was on TV too. <laughs> oh, wow. That is gnarly. 
-hmm. yeah I, mean, I would not mind a tv credit mm -hmm. but if i had to die for it i don't know so live 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 after death live i only asked because tick nataro made fun of that with her album live yeah it's it's live um yeah. it's live after death I, yeah I, yeah i yeah. live after death just doesn't roll off the tongue as good i don't know no it doesn't and um, i like the idea of all my shows going forward being ben wasserman live mm -hmm. and then a preposition and a thing yeah yeah, yeah. Way, way to brand uh have uh -huh. brand synergy exactly. um for those uh who don't know please uh tell our listeners how the show came about or you know and what the experience has been what it like means like everything if you don't yeah care. uh so in 2017 i lost my dad uh, and then I lost my grandfather almost a year to the day that I lost my dad after taking care of him for a year. In between that, a friend of mine uh, uh, killed himself after that. Uh, after my grandfather died, another friend died unexpectedly. A handful of months later, another friend killed themselves on the same exact day that my first friend killed themselves. Um, and then a few months after that, my uncle died. And then a few months after that, uh, another friend died. So it was seven losses within the span of three years. I had been doing comedy before these losses. I was doing comedy. I ran a weekly show in Brooklyn for like upwards of six years. And I was, I was still doing comedy, but I couldn't not talk about my grief and my loss mm -hmm. and my pain and death and all of it. And then I compiled a, a, all of those bits, added some more stuff into an hour-long show that I've been right. running for the last year. Right. Uh, how, when you were doing bits at your weekly show, um, how how were those going? Did, like, without the sort of context of the show, which started out at a funeral home, I might add, yeah. which is great. Like, was that well-received or people were like, no, a lot of awes? Uh, there were a bunch of awes, I think, I mean, you saw the show and a lot of those, a bunch of the bits started out at this weekly. Um, it was the best anything I've done was received, I think, or it was like the first time that I was doing my, like, I had always been a kind of untethered to reality goofball kind of guy. And I would go up doing characters or these high concept bits as myself that were super interactive but never right. about anything real right. uh, and so like they were funny and i would mm -hmm. i would still kill i've never bombed uh, <laughs> but uh it, there wasn't like an imp there was an impact and it was like memorable but it wasn't like something that like uh hit somewhere with people and then i started doing these bits i like Stuff would come to me. I would try it out on at our show side ponytail and I would get people laughing and on and coming up to me after and like crying and thanking me. And it was like a totally different uh, level of response, I think. Right. right. What was going on internally for you in terms of like, I, you know, you wanting to have some weight, some gravitas to bits that are, you know, versus what you were doing before and getting that reception 
I mean, that's got to evoke something in you. Uh, I mean, on some level, there was a real, why the fuck haven't I been doing this the whole time? Uh, right. I, I am, a, I'm, oh, am I really good at a specific type of thing? Um, and so there was definitely that, but uh, there has also been throughout the last five years or so, uh, five, six years now. Um, yeah, there has also been very much a vibe of, like I would like to go back to being goofy. It's <laughs> it goes back and forth. It was right. it's been really cool. I think I have when people ask how the show's been going or how this material feels or whatever, it really does feel like this show is me at uh my peak so far. Like I'm firing on all cylinders right. in a way. Um, I agree. I agree. Yeah. The show is very Thank funny you. and also very touching. Yeah, thanks. And so I'd like to more recently i'm like ooh how do i keep this voice this perspective how do i maintain this and evolve from here right without more people in your life dying certainly without more people in my life dying this is cer- this is going to be the end of my death period the last time i do right. this show is going to be it i think do you have, do you have a set date for that um i did just talk to a cemetery in brooklyn today about uh possibly trying to figure something out for the end of the year i would like it to be over by 2024 it's taking a bit of a toll and i also i want to move on to other stuff yeah i can only imagine while i'm sure a portion of the time you've done it has been healing it is weighty and like i could even feel like when you're even in just sort of going over the synopsis of the show, that feels heavy. Yeah. And there, I mean, and there's also a very real way that I'm okay with my grief right now. Sure. Like I've, I've done a lot of processing over the years. Um, right. It was a, a lot of loss and grief, right. but it was also a lot of healing. And I had a lot of healing. And this yeah. show is certainly in like, coming up with the elements for it and doing right. it the first couple times i think it did feel like a, a cathartic thing like i i've already in many ways gotten out of the show what i needed yeah. uh, which is why i have shifted it after the first couple workshops to be more about the communal experience of grief and loss and like right. kind of getting the emotional weight to come from the audience instead of just my story yeah. Uh, and that keeps it alive and fresh and keeps it new every time it keeps me on my toes so like as much as i am bored of doing the same material over and over again in a right. real way i also th- like i am completely shocked every time i do the show by something like something new happens that right. never happened before right and so that's been fun um but yeah i'm like i'm good on maintaining this and being like i never wanted to be the death guy um i just wanted to be the funny guy i don't just, think you'll remember be remembered as the death guy i don't think so either i got a lot in the tank now i think and do you like, know do you know who sean white is yeah no, uh and you know about his album dead and gone no so wait do you, i you know i'm not talking about like the uh, snowboarder right nope i did not know that uh <laughs> there is a comedian with the same exact spelling i think oh, um whose name is sean white very funny comedian who moved to la probably seven years ago 
Okay. Uh, he, he recorded a concept album called Dead and Gone. Very similar circumstances as to happen to you. A bunch of his family died uh, in the span of two years. And yeah. and then he got like, I think he got divorced as well. Oof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... Um, I am he, dealing with a breakup right now. So I uh, that is funny. Yeah. And so he, it's just like the the weight of all of that collectively, he just... Uh, wanted to make a concept album like a, doing an hour all about loss and cool. all its different forms and like it was great and he recorded it himself and then sent it to AST Records and then they ended up distributing it but like I will tell you as much as that like put him on the map at least in my my sphere of things and they help him move to LA and all that sort of stuff I don't think of Sean as the death guy right yeah i yeah i think it's a thing that like that's the if anything if that's the only fear i've had while doing this show not to like to not be afraid of trying a different type of comedy or not be afraid right like if my only fear is people remember me as a death guy that's fine i also know i have a lot of power over that right right it's and a lot of that i think comes from just wrangling with loss and finding the live the life the live part right. of death right uh i mean i i will commend you on that as well I, like because there are portions of the show that i think it's very different from a lot of solo shows where you, you are very like it's almost like stopping the show and then asking the audience and it's not even necessarily a bit so much as you're like here and present and that's healing for the audience asking uh, people who are caretakers or who have recently had a loss in the family or anybody. Um, yeah, I think, and that's, I, I think it's a unique, beautiful part of the show. And um, yeah, I just wanted to say that. Yeah. yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was motivated by me being better with my own grief. Like I said before, a lot of it was also just cause I hadn't seen, I don't know. There are so many, Sean White, uh, this person, that per- whoever it is, there are lots of people who, like Patton Oswalt, yeah. Alyssa in Paris, lots of right. people have done shows and material about death and loss. Um, but a lot of times, you know, it's like when performers are sharing, they are sharing their story and their experience. And it's sort of, and it's fair, but it's one-sided in a sure. real way. Um and yeah, creating a container for people to be able to project what they need out of a show is like really more interesting to me. I'm also yeah. just so bored of my story. Like I know the story. It right. hurts on a little level when I talk about it, but more than anything, I'm like, I know what I've been dealing with for the last six years or whatever. Right. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you gotten any, shall I say, cheeky answers when you reach out to the audience? Uh, Yeah, I mean... Yes. So uh, I've gotten all sorts of answers. Um, yeah, sometimes people are uh, uh, try and be fresh, which is just going to happen at a show no matter what. Nothing, nothing too out of control and nothing that like wasn't immediately handleable. Right. Uh, yeah, someone. Uh, yeah, I uh, yeah. More than cheeky answers, it's it's harder when people aren't uh, opening up as much. 
Like right, that's right. a more difficult thing to deal with because I'm fine yelling and putting someone in their place or having fun with like a heckler or whatever. Sure. sure. Um, it's less helpful when someone like shuts down or doesn't give more info or something right. like that. Right. A lot of the Catholic towns that happens. <laughs> Doing the show in Boston was a a, 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 a trip just because they're they're so closed off in boston yeah was that uh doing the shows in boston was that uh did that result in you adding a preface to the show um was the pre- i'm trying to remember if the preface was already there uh it may there was have a, a point where there wasn't and there a point where there was right yes that i think came I think that part came the first time I did it at the funeral home. So yeah, no, by that time there already was the preface. Cause I had learned from one of the earlier shows. Cause I workshopped it twice in Philly and twice in Brooklyn at like theaters and uh, record stores, like wherever I could do it. Uh, and when I was workshopping it, I sort of figured people need to know going in, like just saying it's an interactive show doesn't really. Right communicate how interactive it is on all the different levels and so yeah Mm -hmm. uh getting consent and expect setting expectations felt important right which i i find is odd because i think the show it's not like i know that there's a collective sort of fear of a lot of people when they think about live comedy mainly just because of a concentration of knucklehead stand-ups at clubs making fun of somebody's shirt right now totally they're always worried about that even though like but none of this show has any of that yeah well there's that whole oh i don't want to sit in the front row what if the comedian picks on me kind of vibe that i think a lot of people have and you know i think there's a very real way in which i do pick on people in this show but it's not um i mean I think I like to think that I'm skilled enough at how I do it and also interested enough. Like when I'm talking to people, even if I'm just not doing this material and I'm just having a fun set. Right. uh, I'm not out to get anybody. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like That's no fun for anyone. And it makes everyone feel weird. Yeah. And it's very intangibly clear that that's the case. Right. Like when I went to the show, somebody was talking about someone they lost, and then you found out it was their dog, and you're like, "Fuck that dog!" <laughs> and then you, and then t- like ten seconds later, you're like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Yeah, and I think like you know, I I earned the fuck that dog or whatever because when I'm listening to the story, I am obviously affected, and because I like wash it away and make sure we're safe. There's there's some aftercare component of the show that i think has to happen like during like because it is somewhat demanding emotionally of audience members i think it's up to me to provide a a bit of kind of uh care throughout whether that's just coming at it with a certain intention and emotion or checking in like throughout like i don't end the show anymore without asking if everyone's okay uh just to make sure and right. i make sure people know i'm okay yeah 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 and like uh yeah that came because an audience there was an audience member over the summer who saw it at the funeral home and they had dm me that they loved the show and it was really special but 
on a real level i spend the whole time telling people to shut the fuck up and ask like hey who did you lose also shut the fuck up and then <laughs> i just sort of end the show and that's it um right. at that time and they were like i think an aftercare component could be good and even if it's something as minimal as like yeah well okay i'm gonna be here if you want to talk just cleaning up um i think that helps make people feel a little safer or yeah. something absolutely and i and I, I think it's more true to the spirit of the show because like i think i mean a lot has been and will continue to be debated as to like the actual power of comedy and mm-hmm. it, how it can affect change but i think you know i won't even politically who knows we just yeah. make, make fun of uh the other side and the other side makes fun of us uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wor- worse worse <laughs> uh if you ever try watching gut belt it's 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 pathetic oh no I, is that still on it's it's so it's one of the highest rated late night shows jesus uh, and they didn't accept my pack yeah <laughs> because it was too <laughs> funny ben that was probably the problem i i like two or three times a week i'll watch their whatever they put online yeah and it's crazy to me that like they bomb on their own show that's so upsetting yeah like colbert is a a a whisper of a shadow of what he used to be but at least he kills in front of his own audience yeah they need better warm-up at gut filled yeah it's uh it's it's wild but yeah i i i think that um i lost my train of thought because i really wanted to rag on gut belt no that's fair i know i remember that we were talking about uh hair and fear of uh audience members fear of being picked on and right 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 like that feeling yeah. like safe in the performer's hands i wonder i mean did you ever think about that before coming up with the show um, because I've always been a loudmouth, abrasive, yeah, like an abrasive, brash, uh-huh. interactive kind of. I've always been for uh, as long as I can, like mindful of what these interactions do. I never. Uh, sometimes people would like early on in starting comedy, people would be like, "Oh, I love how you fuck with people," or like. Uh-huh. what are you gonna like what kind of fucked up shit are you gonna do tonight or like people would reach out and be like hey ben i'm doing a weird comedy show featuring all weird comedians and it's like making people uncomfortable or feel weird just for like the weirdness it's the same thing with the anal hairs that we were talking about before <laughs> yeah. but like making people uncomfortable or feel weird or whatever it is like that's not why they're there that's not what i'm there i don't like I don't want to be made to feel weird. So I don't want to do that to other people. So I've always been mindful of it in a certain sense. Like I'm the friendly angry guy, if anything. Sure. But um, it wasn't until this show that I started thinking about in some way, the like relationship and responsibility as a performer that I had, like there's like a responsibility component of it now that because it's my name, I don't have a director. I don't have a producer. It's like right. I do my own graphics. I right. this is all right. me. Right. Um, and so there is an added kind of accountability, responsibility right. component to it now, which right. I think going forward is like, that's just how I feel about 
comedy or art or whatever. Right. Yeah. Oh, and this feeds back to, I remember the thread now. Um, there is like, a, I think a very visceral, like healing component. Of the show. Like you feel, I personally felt lifted even it, it, like, and I hadn't experienced like the death of uh, a loved one in a, uh, in a while. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like this show and when people like comedians uh, come from a very good place it, uh, and and have something really well worked out about grief, that is the communal experience of that is very healing in a very yeah. way. Yeah, there. Uh, I mean, I was talking with someone who works at a crema crematory uh, about trying to bring the show to their crematory. And we were, they had asked about like how I'm, how it feels to transform this like really individual private thing that I right. think grief is often, it's personal, um, into this like communal experience or whatever. And right. when they asked me about that, I started thinking about how one of the number one reactions that people have had was when they reach out, they're like, I feel less alone in my grief. Thank you um beyond you're so fucking funny wow holy shit that's the funniest fucking thing i've ever seen you're so hot and charming and whatever but it's is uh, this in the in the event promo ben No, not yet. But <laughs> it, it, it will start being in the. He is so hot and charming and recently <laughs> single. Um, uh, yeah, when people reach out to say that they feel less isolated in their grief, they feel uh, less alone, kind yeah. of a thing. Like, yeah. that's been cool. And I think that's, yeah, that's what you're touching on. It's just yeah. like being able to be in a room where people, even if you personally aren't feeling that healing in a specific way, there's like a bigger. Spiritual kind of, I don't know. And I've never talked about comedy like this, and it feels goofy to be like, oh, there's a spiritual component here, but there is, and that's there like, is, and I can't yeah. deny that. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's, it's not cool of me to deny that anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of voiced this I, I, idea on the pod before, but there, there is a certain like um, self-deprecation, no matter what type of comedian you are, that's baked into the DNA of comedy. That I think, at a certain level, it pays a disservice to our art form because, mm -hmm. like, a lot of us just think we're a bunch of clowns doing a circle jerk. And while that is sometimes true, yeah, there's another beautiful part to it that explores. Em, like emotions and fears and anxieties in a way that other arts can or it's just too heavy <laughs> yeah and, and it, it is healing and and unites us in a way that it makes us feel lifted or give relief yeah i mean i yeah i would maybe if this was a different podcast i would uh go hard on disagreeing because i think that all art or all i've seen like end tables and lamps that have made me feel sure um, right like i think everything depending on our relationship to it can do that like right. in the same way like comedy can operate in the same way that a painting can operate in the same way that a piece of right. furniture or a sunset or something yeah, yeah. So i do think yeah i spent a lot of time when i was before doing this type of stuff like being like comedy's just gotta be funny and goofy and that's it and it's like now i just think it 
if you're going to call it comedy, it does have to be funny. Mm-hmm. But if it is politically aware, that's fine, as long as it's funny. And if it's emotionally sensitive, vulnerable and healing, that's fine. Like, it's all fine because people right. are going to take from I have no control. I can just yeah. do the thing, you know, right. I do what I think is a good show. And then people, if they feel healed from it, great. If they laugh from it, great. If neither, then I'm fuck. But yeah, but that's how do you, I mean, I'd also submit that like it is the comedians that try to please the most amount of people usually end up being the blandest. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's boring. I don't know. I mean, like, you're never gonna make everybody laugh that's just impossible purely off of the fact that like unless you're eddie izzard you're not doing comedy in multiple languages right yeah i mean there's not everyone i, I mean the fact of the matter is i don't like comedy for the most part and <laughs> i mean i think that's most comedians actually right and uh i never dreamt of being a comedian i don't know it like i fell into it and i just happened to be good at it and stuff like that but i also know i'm not gonna i don't know i was a teacher for years some of my kids still stupid and like that's not on me no it's like what are what are we both bringing to this and how are we approaching it or whatever and like yeah i so much is out of your control and you're not going to reach everyone and like to try and do that does just water it all down like you were saying yeah oh i did want to know how does one go about approaching a funeral home and asking them to do a comedy show Mm, um there is i almost have it down to a science at this Uh, point uh or maybe it's an art i don't know you got a pamphlet? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have a couple templates of emails for sure. Uh, and it hasn't hurt that I've already been doing it at funeral homes. Getting the first couple was tough. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it includes calling or looking up funeral homes and cities and cemeteries and cities that I want to bring the show to. Seeing if I could find any... Uh, news articles or uh, blogs or anything from people within the industry in that area who like ideally are younger and more interested in doing some sort of community engagement Um, and then just emailing cold for the most part though I have in the last year developed a soft network of morticians and funeral directors and cremationists and cemeterians who do help connect lots of wow. death doulas. Yeah, I got connected to a couple places after that show in LA that you saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been cool too. Um, yeah. And that that's when it goes easiest. If someone yeah. saw the show and then is like, hey, you should have this guy do it at your mm-hmm. place. Um, right. Yeah, but there's a lot of hesitation. Uh, Understandably. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that... It- I mean, it would be great, especially aesthetically, if you got to do it like Hollywood forever. Yeah, that's going to cost too much money. I did talk yeah. to them. Yeah, uh, I know. I know. yeah, no, I did talk to them about that. But uh, I'm talking to a couple other cemeteries in L.A. Um, and so who knows? Who knows? Or, you know, I I know just off of pure experience of stealing shots from a cemetery, just show up and do it. I, I mean, I have debated if, um if there are places where because we're also we're filming and making 
a video project of the show and right. um, and just as like a location there are definitely places and i have thought about trying to do a gorilla show at a cemetery that has not responded to my emails yet but yeah. i don't i don't know if that's uh the best right isn't there a giant cemetery like in like um in brooklyn that that part of it isn't gated off uh, there is a giant cemetery in Brooklyn, Greenwood Cemetery, yeah. and uh, uh, I just got off the phone with them today, actually. They're coming to check out the show at the end of this month. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, we're talking about, I am hopeful that I can do the show there, mm -hmm. and if I can do the show there, do it in their catacombs, because they have catacombs where sometimes they do, like, right. uh, classical music concerts and stuff like that, and so right. that that's the dream. That, that'd be <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, do you want to do some comedy news, Ben? Sure. Okay. Uh, first off, probably the biggest thing uh, to come from the this past weekend, uh, the Oscars uh, just happened, and capping off a uh record awards season run everything everywhere all at once uh won seven academy awards oh we don't call them academy awards anymore oscars including uh best supporting actor best supporting actress uh best editing best original screenplay best directing and best picture they won every category they were nominated for except best song uh, which went to uh, the song from RRR, the uh, yeah. Indian smash hit, Natu Natu. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is really, really fun. Um, in, in, I've actually took a, took a gander at all the past best picture winners since the twenties, uh, in the inception of the Oscars. And um, I think everything everywhere all at once might be the goofiest movie that's ever won best picture. That could be. I have only seen the trailer and a few clips. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm a bad reader and a bad movie viewer. Um, why? Why? Because you just don't do a lot of it. Uh, I think it's like a patience thing. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't go. I don't see film often. Um, right. unless John Wick's in it for the most oh, part. Oh, I'm so excited for John Wick Four. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, yeah. I hope that finally wins an Oscar um we'll see i mean if top gun maverick is getting nominated yeah i mean i had top gun as my i thought they were gonna sweep everything uh i yeah. think they're only nominated for two or three yeah it is cool that a movie where you can like i haven't seen it i can tell and from talking with friends who've seen it it is very much a movie where like the daniels made a movie where they, like they made a fucking movie you know yeah. they're like having fun with it they yeah. are um trying stuff and like right. that's the coolest kind of thing and so, so to see i mean look award shows and all that like those types of accolades who knows the value right. or whatever but it right. is cool for that type of stuff to get recognition mm -hmm. it usually matters for the below the line people um, totally. yeah and that and then it, the more popularity the movie gets from winning the awards or to say that going over it's an academy award-winning movie um that makes people watch it and people get better residuals and that all that sort of thing 
Yeah. Um, so, oh, but also I love that. I mean, a lot of it is being said, and I, I wrote about this last night. Um, yes, there's a, a great deal of Asian representation with the movie and highlighting that, but also like uh, it's an indie movie that won a Best Picture. Yeah. And it's, um, and it's a com. I mean, there are comedies that have won Best Picture, but like they're usually like dramedies mm-hmm. or they're really set in like an apartment or something. Yeah. Yeah. That, Classic like, apartment comedy movie. Right. I mean, if you even just look at genre pictures that won a Best Picture, I mean, Lord of the Rings and that might be it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's cool seeing other shit get yeah. stuff. You know? Yeah. I, I would love it that all those sketches making fun of the Oscars, um, ha- like having Oscar bait movies of just like being in this period piece, like emotional torture porn sort of deal. Yeah. yeah. Like if that's not a thing anymore, that'd be great. That would be sick. Yeah. 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 So I hope that that is what continues to happen and that there is a universe that coexists a word top gun and everything everywhere all at once coexists happily yeah 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 why not yeah. yeah they should like we were saying earlier people not everything is for everyone and like sometimes i don't know the, there is a place and time for all sorts of people to enjoy different types yeah. of things i mean today yeah, uh, i'm millions of Netflix subscribers across the globe will enjoy Bert Kreischer talking about the virtues of removing anal layers. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Lucky them. Uh, yeah, lucky them. You know? Uh, next story. Uh, the TV adaptation of League of Their Own, available on Amazon Prime, will get a second season that is happening, but it will be their final season and we'll only have four episodes, uh, which seems a little odd considering how much love the uh, show got and how well-received it was. Um, and one has to wonder in the, there's like a WGA negotiation upcoming. A lot of unions are restructuring their agreements with the industry, the biz, mm-hmm. and uh one has to wonder if that factors in it. like basically, well, we were we we spent too much money paying residuals for people and now we don't want to do that anymore. Well, so it's either that you we we don't do that for you or we give you less episodes. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean Yeah. I the industry I think will always find a way to fuck people over. Right. Uh, in some way. Yeah. But yeah, I mean at least they're getting, uh, hopefully they get to end their story yeah. in a way that they want. Right. And that's good for them. It's like, right. you can't control mm-hmm. so much of this stuff. Truly you can't. It's, it's really amazing. How, it's it, amazing that anything gets made. If you learn about the development process at all, <laughs> there's so much stuff that gets made. Uh, it doesn't get made. And then if it is well received at all, that's like, just like, icing on the cake totally yeah totally i would love for something i would love for someone to start developing a project and it never aired <laughs> even yeah. that would be a huge win i would i would though i would love if pilots got released online i think legally they should have to do that yeah 
rather than their ass off on those i feel like focus groups are are not a jury of our peers as like viewers yeah yeah and i think bad decisions often get made because of focus groups yeah totally yeah yeah um would you turn live after death into a special is that something you're hoping for um i am working with a friend and filmmaker right now to try and turn it into something yeah Yeah. uh part special part episodic series kind of thing uh yeah but we're yeah we shot a bunch of the first we shot a bunch of like the pilot and or touching base soon to figure out next steps but yeah i would that would be that i mean the whole time that i've been doing this stuff in this show the like final thing is to have it filmed Mm -hmm. some capacity that feels good right um, and put out there and then move on yeah is there a place you would like it to end up or are you just like any 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 port will do um certainly not any port will do but i don't i don't have a specific place right now sure yeah okay i mean that's that's fine um my guess is that it would end up on hulu via fx great i would love that yeah fx if you're listening come talk to me because they based off of the two comedy specials they released last year they're the people that seem to want to do more interesting boundary pushing stuff as of right now yeah totally yeah um well i sincerely hope that happens um okay i think um the last news story I want to do, um, Bob Odenkirk, it, for charity, uh, is that the only way we can get him to do comedy again? <laughs> <laughs> Although Lucky Hank is supposed to be a comedy that's coming out on AMC that he's starring in. Um, he will star in a, a remake that I will I believe will be shot on video mm-hmm. uh, of The Room. Uh, and he, he will be playing the Tommy Wiseau character. Um, which is just it, it's the the idea of it is just spectacle enough alone. But then imagining there's so many different layers to how that piece that exists as a cultural artifact. The the room it's not like it was released in earnest as a, a work that Tommy Wiseau has, th- still thinks is amazing. And then everybody right. watched it. Uh, ironically, it's like this is so bad that it's kind of yes. good, and then yes. it became a cult favorite. And so much so that then you know it got made in the making of it was written by uh, somebody involved uh, in a book, and then that got adapted into a movie. Uh, so coming at it with all of that lens. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much more mileage does the room have? I guess I think it's the coolest thing. I, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, look, I want to be done with my show on a very real level and move on right. to the next thing. But also, right. mm-hmm. if you don't have a next thing, milk mm-hmm. what you got. Yeah, I mean, like, je- yeah, yeah, absolutely. Find a way, and it's in it is on in its own way inspired. Like there is a a okay, let's move on component for sure. But it's right. like hey 
more power to you, brother. You can get people to keep caring about this thing in new, different ways. Like, mm -hmm. that's great. Yeah. Uh, do you think maybe like, so there, there are like screenings of the room mm -hmm. on a regular basis, definitely in LA and New York and probably other places as well. And if yeah. it's in LA, Tommy might show up. Yeah, he sometimes shows up in New York for the screenings, too. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that that might be, like, Millennials, like, Rocky Horror Picture Show? Thing? In a way, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I think Millennials still have Rocky Horror Picture Show, but... For sure. But, yeah, I do think uh, there is something about the room in a different manner than Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like, right. But, but yeah, it's there's the same, like, communal experience, though, where, totally. like... Yeah, I mean, after a certain point, you're not even there to, like, watch the movie. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I can't yeah. wait until in a few years we start doing John Wick screenings and everyone just starts trying to fucking murder each other. Oh, my God. I wish, do you know Kyle Mazzono and Anna Saragina? Uh, no, uh, never met. They're yeah. great. You would love them. They, they're, they love Keanu and specifically John Wick. And for Kyle's birthday... It was this weird thing where it was like kind of a show, but not really. Like they invited people to witness what they were putting on. They yeah. hired like five different John Wick impersonators of varying quality Love. to like just do lines for the movie in tribute to Kyle for her birthday. Oh, that's so <laughs> lovely. Yeah. And that was, I wish you were around. I mean, it, there's, yeah, I, there's something to that movie that it's just like, it separates it from every other action franchise. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I, there's, yeah. I'm not. I, I get. No, I do like action. Um, but I like chaos. So I think I, that's where the I like the action from, right. and like that's what keeps me engaged in a movie is when it's like, what this is happening now, kind right. of a thing. Um, right. but yeah, that movie is just so well. Uh, all those movies are just so well choreographed and done, and. There's just something about someone going through all this shit and fighting yeah. for their fucking life the way John Wick does that I, th I do think speaks to a lot of people. Right. Well, it's directed by people who were previous to that stunt people. Right. So yeah. they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing and they know how to push it more in a way where like, you know, uh, there are a lot of action movies now where you just see and like, well, that's not that impressive. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah seen that yeah. i could do that I, yeah. I can't do anything john wick does for sure yeah like the first like the car chases of the 70s like yeah. uh in like bullet or something which was like lauded at the time mm -hmm. does not compare to like the born identity or no. yeah yeah totally anything in john wick yeah for sure um so anyways the room uh we'll probably live on and to your point yeah if you if you if there's still mileage to be had and you're still enjoying it i mean you know why not yeah why not i think i wonder how much longer jacqueline novak will keep talking about blowjobs yeah i mean it, it this is the thing with everything i like or you think about like our how long did jackson pollock need to you know just splatter a bunch of fucking like at a certain point i think everyone or i mean i for me i know that there is like an end of the road with projects um sure. but there is a 
a real way that it's like, I don't know, if you have a style and you have a point of view and you have something to say and people aren't bored of it yet, yeah, keep sharing it. As long right. as you're not, if you're bored of it, like mix it up. But right. yeah, and I you always if that is what's sort of resonating with you, great. But if not, you can change it up. But also you don't you can return to it as well you know it's all a fluid and nothing is like permanent anyway. totally yeah yeah, yeah. there's yeah. nothing set there's no right way to do life no no hey, even though that's a there's a whole cottage industry of self-help self-help and yeah. life coaching and yeah yeah, totally. yeah. It, but man people i love that part of little in the sunshine that they follow a, a aspiring self-help guy who just made it all up. And yeah. It never and goes anywhere. Everything is just making it all up. Yeah. There's no part of life that is not making it all up and figuring it out as you're going. I think that is one of the most affirmed sort of sentiments I've heard between Q and A's and just being like, is that at a certain point as you're growing up, you realize this like big, kind of reveal that like everybody is just fucking making it up as they go along yeah yeah no one ever knows nothing is ever set you are constantly yeah. wondering and questioning and trying and struggling but throughout that you're also having like moments of joy and fun and exuberance like whatever it is. it's all part of it right and that that's why man we're getting so sophisticated here that's what a core tenet that I live by is staying present and having no expectations. That rules. I think yeah. the presence is cool. I think it's okay to have some expectations, but sure. you know, um, the expectations can also be dangerous at times. I think. Yeah, they can and bite. Yeah, they can bite, or they can um, just fill you with dread and anxiety. Totally. Yeah. 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 Um. What are you looking forward to in 2024? Like, do you have an idea of what post-death era Ben Wasserman is like? Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> I just broke up with my partner of five years, like a week and a half ago. Uh, I'm sorry, slash, congratulations. I don't know. And, um, both, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's for the best in many ways, and it's also sad and you know, whatever. But uh, I have been spending the last, I mean, last few months to a year thinking, since I started doing the show, I have been thinking about what's next. Um, and one of the ideas I've been, I had been batting around was a show about love and relationships. And then in the last 10 days, I've really had uh, a lot of time to be reflecting on relationship and commitment and um partnership and whatever so i think 2024 if not even by the end of this year i'd like to start workshopping uh ben wasserman live after love uh -huh. or live with love maybe cool. yeah and, and and uh debut it on valentine's day Maybe do a Valentine's debut, only do it at wedding chapels. I don't know yet. Uh, yeah, I think that would be easier to get than a funeral. It yeah. certainly yeah. might be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what's next. Right. That's amazing. I can't wait for it, man. Thanks. Um, yeah, I think absolutely. it'll be fun. 
Yeah. Um, that is going to be our time for today. Thank you so much for joining me, Ben. Thanks for having me, man. This was Absolutely. Great. Yeah. I had a, had a wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, awesome. it, where can people find you online? Is there anything else you'd like to point out? Yeah. Uh, on Instagram, at Ben Wassergram. Twitter is at Ben Wasser Tweet. Uh, if anybody, uh, I'm going to be touring the show all year at different funeral homes and theaters and cemeteries and wherever I can bring it. Uh, and all the info for the New York show, uh, Blue Heaven Comedy Festival next month in Philly, and then in June in New England. It'll be all over. All of that is at liveafterdeathshow.com. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything else to promote beyond that, other than uh, solidarity with the SNL editors. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Hopefully they get a fair contract. Hopefully they get a fair contract. Oh, yeah, that was the other news story. I talked about that the week before, but uh, yeah, they have a set planned strike for April 1st, which is just happens to be a Saturday and April Fool's Day. Yeah, um, this ain't no joke. This ain't no joke. And they are the people that I think kind of really put the clue together for the show. Oh, yeah. Uh, considering that the, the, the non-live sketches are usually what go viral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. They, 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 that the editorial team really does a whole a bulwark of the show. And so, yeah, yeah I got friends on that team. Um, and so I really hope that they are able to get their fair and deserved contract. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, solidarity with them, indeed. Uh, I am Jake Kroger. I created the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com, at the Comedy Bureau across socials. You can find me on Instagram and at the supermarket on Twitter, MFJ Kroger. You can, it, there are so many great causes to support this time. So I'd ask you please support those. But if you have money and generosity left over, please support the Comedy Bureau to keep it going. Uh, do you have anything, any final words to say before we sign off here, Ben? Uh, no, tell the people you love that you love them while you can and have a good day. Yeah, absolutely. Comedy is happening. Go enjoy it. And that seconds what the great Brody Stevens would say. Enjoy it. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Grineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.